trail. Bear has nothing to do with hiking. Get on the trail. We're talking about dirt, mud, blood, and guts. Can nobody the fiesta? It's the trail show. My God, Polly. Featuring Lawton Disco Grinter. What the hell are you two doing, Mike? Felicia P.O.D. Hermosillo. What are you girls doing up here? Mike D'Lo DiLorenzo. Yeah! Paul Mags Magnanti. He's a fraud. And now from Mags' living room, it's the trail show. We're broadcasting live from the Mayhem Roost homestay here near Bulls, New Zealand today. It is the Trail Show. We are heard worldwide on Stitcher, iTunes, and at thetrailshow.com. Catch us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter at Trail Show. We have a special two-part series today. Uh, It's going to be live from New Zealand. We've been hiking the Te Araroa Trail. And we are about halfway done, almost 900 miles into this 1,800-mile journey. Uh, special guest this month in studio, ladies and gentlemen, we have Richard Skittles Larson. Master of the Silky, a man with 20,000 miles under his belt. He is no stranger to long trails. Skittles, thanks for being in studio today. You're welcome, Disco. <laughs> Cool. So the three of us have been hiking together. Um, we also have POD here, by the way. Of course. And we're all sharing one microphone as things are... Um, I've actually got it attached to a trekking pole section. We'll have to post a photo on the web so folks can see how low budget and ghetto we're going for these New Zealand shows. Um, anyway, we're hoping to kind of give folks a look into what a Te Araroa hike is like. I know a lot of folks are curious, especially after... Trail show number 18 with our good friend Brian Buck 30 Tansman, who we have since found out has told us a bunch of lies. Ugh, don't even get me started. Yeah, we're going to be throwing Buck under the bus a little bit here. But anyway, we want to just get right into it. Um, This will probably be about an hour-long show. A little different from our normal, normal format as we are down here in New Zealand without mags and without D-Lo. I know they're back in Colorado enjoying the snow. So we're going to kind of cover a lot here. Um, We've been on the trail since November 17th. Like I said, we've done almost 900 miles. We've done a lot of road walking. We've hiked in a lot of mud. We've kayaked, and we've even bicycled. And some of those were trail miles, and some were not. We'll talk about that in a minute, too. What I want to do first, though, is a a rapid-fire roundtable questioning of of these two folks in the room. We're going to go around, and you got to say the first thing that comes to mind. So we'll start off with favorite section of the trail so far, P.O.D. Uh, the section of the cliff walk. I don't know where it was, near the beach. I don't know. Skittles will be able to tell. The cliff walk near the beach. So we've probably walked <laughs> about 100 miles of beach walking, and that's that's all you can give me, huh? Okay. Skittles says it's one gray heads. Skittles, your favorite section of trail so far? Uh, it had to be the Tongarero Alpine Crossing. It was a section I didn't do last time, and it's been like the only mountains we've been in so far. It was pretty short, but really fantastic. Yeah, I got to agree. I would vote for the Tongarero Crossing. I think it's world-class 
hiking. It reminded me a bit of Haleakala National Park on Maui. It's um, it's where they filmed some of the Lord of the Rings uh, stuff there. Mount Doom is right there. It's pretty cool stuff. Okay, P.O.D., least favorite section of the trail so far? Pretty much everything else. Ooh. <laughs> Do you want to elaborate on that? I mean... It's just, there's just so much crap, I guess. I mean, I hate to be, you know. Lots of paved road walking and lots of track, bush track that's just not well made. There's been a few places where we've had to walk or recently bike on state highways. And they're horrible. You feel like you might die. And, you know, we're under, you know, this... U.S. long-distance hiker motto of connect footsteps, do everything, don't skip anything. And first of all, on this trail, we're seeing all these other people skipping and thinking, well, what are they doing? They shouldn't be skipping trail. Now, almost done with the North Island. We're like, you know, they might be smart to be skipping those highway sections. If I did it again, I think I would hitch the highways. But we're so close to being done with the North Island, so I can't start now. Yeah, I got to say, least favorite section, up until yesterday... It was this the section of um, it was this real kind of gnarly side slopey section through farmland coming out of Tekawiti, I think. Yeah. Um, but yesterday we did a 65k bicycle uh, deal on a section we were supposed to roadwalk, and that probably was my has been my actual least favorite section, and I don't think it would have been any better on foot. But it was definitely fairly horrendous on a bicycle that was way too small for me in the pouring rain with headwinds and a horrible seat. So, there's that. Okay. Favorite trail food so far, P.O.D. Or, let's broaden that. Favorite New Zealand food item that you've tasted over here so far? I think the thing that I like most are there sparkling beverages and juices that are not available in the States. Oh, yeah, the Just Juice brand juices. And and the I know this is an Australian company, but the Bumbery or the whatever that's called, they sell it everywhere here, their passion fruit and the ginger beer. Um, they're really good. Skits, how about you? Favorite food you've had over here in New Zealand so far this season? Well, I've got to go with those meat pies. <laughs> they're some of them are delicious. They're filling. They're actually cheap. You can get them at any little bakery in any town. You swing through town, grab a meat pie, have it for lunch, and keep on hiking. And I think they're pretty tasty. Yeah, and this was something Buck 30 left out. We're really upset about him. He he complained that the food over here was lousy. And how this is a guy who likes to eat on the cheap. And how he either he missed the whole meat pies thing altogether, or he just failed to mention it. But it, um, to paint a picture, it's kind of like these little chicken pot pies, but instead of the chicken pot pie filling, it's like various meat pies. So you can have um, hamburger and cheese in there. You can have eggs and bacon. You can have chicken and curry. Um, you can have like a spinach quiche kind of thing. And they're at every single bakery in every town on the trail. And they're pretty cheap. They're like three, four, five bucks. Uh, you pick one up. You walk out of town, it's it's a little meal in itself. It's pretty cool. Um, okay, least favorite New Zealand food you've had so far. I think I think I know. Skittles, you want to go first on this one? 
Uh, or better yet, let me let me go first. Let me go first. Pineapple lumps. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Th- this is we discovered. So pineapple lumps are a huge kiwi favorite over here. There's these little chocolate candies that are, uh, I should say, they're little artificially flavored pineapple ca- candies covered in bad chocolate. And when we first heard about it, we thought it was going to be like chunks of dried pineapple covered in chocolate, which I think would actually be really good. But it's not. It's this little shitty candy covered in shitty chocolate. And they, the Kiwis love them. And the Kiwis are better than this. Skittles, how about you? Well, I think all three of us were going to go with the pineapple lumps. So it's hard to like change directions. But it was so disappointing the first time we tried them because we were... expecting something sensational and everybody here loves them so i think that's something they grew up with and it's just like reminds them of home or something but and you know the other thing that they have in all the stores are these chicken flavored chips which aren't horrible but i don't understand the fascination with them so yeah the, the the a lot of the chips are super salty but the other thing i haven't actually had this and i think this is just a function of having so much coastline but so many of the pizza places have seafood as an option for pizza toppings. Now, I haven't had it, but I don't eat crustaceans. I don't eat uh, insects, land, or sea. And the thought of, like, prawns on pizza is just, like, revolting to me. All right. We'll continue this rapid-fire discussion with um, the two questions I want to ask. The first one is, what is the one piece of gear you don't have at this moment that you wish you had brought with you? And the second question is sort of the flip of that. What is the one piece of gear you've been carrying with the start that's been mostly useless on this hike? And and I'll actually start this discussion. Uh, we'll take the second question first. So the piece of gear I've been carrying so far that's been pretty much useless is my 20-degree sleeping bag. If I had known how humid and <laughs> how warm the evenings are, I would have had a 40-degree synthetic bag at the most, at least for the North Island. We know the South Island is going to get colder, but there were nights on the North Island where the low temperature was 62 degrees, and I've got a 20-degree down bag that's just sitting like a lump in the bottom of the tent, and all I want to do is just throw it outside because I can't even I can't even lay it on top of me because it's too damn hot. It was um, If I'd known about the, the nighttime temps not going down that much, I'd, and the fact that we're at pretty low elevations. Just completely worthless over here, 20-degree bag. Skittles, how about you? Well, I kind of got rid of some of the worthless stuff that I brought with in Auckland. Um, I guess most people wouldn't consider it worthless, but I did bring a filter with on this trip, mm. thinking maybe this time I'll use a filter. And I didn't. I used it, I think, once between Cape Reinga and Auckland, and I figured I wasn't going to be using it very much anymore, so I just left it in Auckland and figured no filter is the way to go you know we just see dead cows and stuff in the water what could be wrong with it (laughs) oh man this guy's he's willing to drink a lot a lot more uh dirty water than than me and pod well pod what what about you worthless piece of gear i know you've got something in that backpack of yours that qualifies mine is also my sleeping bag i have a 10 degree sleeping bag (laughs) and i'm i'm actually really angry at buck 30 this is one of the things that is buck 30's fault because specifically when when asked about the weather conditions in new zealand he said well if you ask in new zealand they tell you it can snow anytime which is true if you're at like three thousand meters but for most 
almost all of the North Island, you're down low. And it's not just that it's hot and humid. My sleeping bag got more and more clammy and damp and smells so bad over the course of many, many weeks. And every night I get in there and have to lay this wet, stinky bag over myself. I felt like I was sleeping in a trash bag. It was disgusting. Yeah, a lot of nights I felt like I just had a wet loaf of white bread, just sort of, or a damp loaf of white bread just sitting beside me. All right, so the the piece of gear that I wish I had, that I still don't, even though I've been trying to get it, is um, sun gloves. And you, we're in a country, New Zealand has the highest rate of skin cancer on the planet. And it has a lot to do with the very thin ozone layer that sits up above New Zealand. And I saw our good friend, Why Not? She had sun gloves from the beginning. And I saw her blog as I was flying from Hawaii to New Zealand. And I was like, damn, I really wish I... And they're the white gloves. A lot of them are fingerless. You've probably seen them. People on the PCT. Uh, it's somewhat common on the PCT. And the Badwater Ultra Marathon, you'll see people wearing them. But I have been unable to acquire such things. I had some lady at a gear store in Auckland tell me to go buy some brass polishing gloves because they too are white. And she was like, oh, I can't do a Kiwi accent. But she was like, oh, you can just cut off the fingers. You cut off the fingers. They're just like sun gloves. And I was thinking, why don't you guys carry sun gloves? Yeah. You're a gear store. You have a high rate of skin cancer on this in this place. And come on. There might be a business opportunity there. But anyway, sun gloves is my vote. Skits, how about you? Well, I know a few times on this trail already I've been very envious of the two of you walking along with your umbrellas up, <laughs> both for the sun and the rain, and especially the sun on the beach walks and on 90 Mile Beach. And I don't know why I didn't bring an umbrella, because last time I was here for 90 Mile Beach, I did bring an umbrella, like a huge one that I like curled up around and taking breaks. And I did not bring one this time, and... I've been very envious of the two of you on many occasions. You know, I, I also wanted the sunglasses, but those are on their way. We're going to have those today because our friend... Uh, we've hiked half of the trail. We needed them about <laughs> two months ago. But anyway, go ahead. The other thing that I wish that I had that I'm also going to be getting today because of our friend Mongo's coming to get us and our friend uh, Tomato Beauchart sent them to us um, is my Z-Pax rain skirt that I ordered. So I'll be getting that today, which will be really nice. Folks might remember Tomato from last month's show, which was the Sierra High Route bonus show, which we gave to you as a little belated Christmas gift. Mm -hmm. I guess the one last question I'll ask before we dive into some specific items is, if you could put your finger on the one thing that's different about this trail as compared to any of the three Triple Crown trails, what would you highlight? P.O.D.? Uh, the thing that I keep coming back to is I feel like it's a lot of suffering for nothing. You know, like, on the CDT, there's all kinds of suffering, but you're, you're, you're getting to these vistas or these really cool spots or it's really remote, and the suffering is because there's no trail and, you know, whatever. The Sierra High Route was really hard for me. Uh, it wasn't, I wouldn't say that was a suffer fest. It was just really challenging, but... You know, you're you're pulling yourself and lowering yourself and climbing basically to get these really incredible views and to places where nobody goes. And the suffering out here, there's so many times when I've just felt like 
I've been walking a paved road for 20K. My feet are killing me. The sun's hot. I feel like I'm going to get hit by a car at any moment. Or I'm going straight up, straight down, straight up, straight down, just because this is the only place I could find to put a trail. But there's n- the only thing I get to see is, like, gorse as it smacks me in the face. And you should tell folks that don't live in New Zealand or Scotland exactly what gorse is. Gorse is the most aggressive mean plant you'll ever meet it's just all thorns and they're really hard thorns they have these branches that stick out and especially when they're dead they're so hard and um so yeah it's just like a big gorse gorse fest Uh, a gorse corridor which we like to call a gorridor or a gorse forest which we call a gorist um so i just sometimes i just feel like i'm suffering and there's there's no reward at the end so that, that's that been different for me. And real quickly about the gorse. Buck 30 told me I couldn't bring over the dry ducks slash frog togs jacket. I, I usually like to have her rain jacket because of the gorse. And actually, those gorse sections, I think, have been decreased since Buck 30 hiked it three years ago. So I've been carrying a heavy, standard, sort of waterproof rain jacket for nothing. And I finally switched back to my frog togs the other day, and I'm... So much happier for it. Thanks a lot, Buck30. Okay, Skittles, how about you? Well, it's felt like a very disjointed hike. Um, You're going to little forest sections here and there, some beaches here and there, and a lot of road walk, a lot of connector sections in between to get there. It's been a little bit more of a struggle just to stay focused on the hike. Uh, We've kind of been like, oh, we just want to get the North Island done. And there are some exciting things. It is different to do some kayaking. It is different to see some of the things in New Zealand. It's it's unique, but it's hard to maintain that through hiker focus. And, you know, we had a rough day today. We had to come back because we went biking and the wind was too strong and it made us come back here. And now I'm going to have to do like a 37K road walk. And my initial thought was, this, I just don't want to do it. I'm going to skip ahead. But so much of the North Island is already done. It's I just don't want to skip yet. So, But there's that thought, which usually isn't in your mind when you're doing a hiking trail, that maybe I could skip, and I don't want to do that. And I was here in 2008 and did bits and pieces of this trail, what I could find, because there wasn't information out there. And I was kind of enticed to come back because I had heard that the trail was finished now. But it's really not any different than when I was here in 2008, other than there's, there's information on the connectors, but there's still a lot of roadwalks, and it's a work in progress. They're trying to get more trail. They're going to try to keep improving it, and it might get better through the years. But right now, it's a lot of tough forest track and a lot of road walking. and certainly the scenery's nice. The beaches are nice. There's good things about it, but it's very tough to do a through hike through these kind of conditions. I could talk about the the amount of road miles, because that's definitely unique to this trail as opposed to the, the big three in the U.S. But I think I, I'd like to highlight sort of the trail culture. And, you know, in the U.S., there's a lot of shame, I guess, if you're skipping sections. And over here, it's actually more people are skipping sections. To, they're either skipping roads to just hike the forested sections, or they're skipping the forested sections because they're too muddy to hike the roads. And... There's there's really no shame. No one's giving other people that much, for lack of a better word, for skipping sections out here. 
And I feel like if you were doing that amount of skipping on any of the big three in the U.S., your fellow hikers would be just, you know, needling you and, and just giving you a grief. So I think that the whole the trail culture here is different. Also, there's a lot of different hikers from a lot of different countries over here. It's very much an international trail. Yeah, and if, if I can paint with broad strokes uh, and generalize here a bit, uh, the Europeans, by and large, have huge packs. I mean, we're talking 50, 60-pound packs. We're talking like 60, 70-plus liter packs as far as capacity. It's like stepping back onto the Appalachian Trail 20 years ago. And there are also, a lot of them have, you know, your your leather hiking boots or mountaineering boots. And I can't imagine walking roads with those things. But it's a whole different mindset. Um, and, and even the Kiwis, and we've only met a few Kiwis out here on the trail. They're carrying huge packs. They're wearing leather boots by and large. And I don't know. It's I feel bad in a way because I feel like... You know, lightweight hiking and access to really lightweight gear in the U.S. is is very common and very easy nowadays. And I don't know that the rest of the world has the knowledge or the ability to buy this gear. But it's tough because some of the forest sections in particular were super muddy and super steep. And, you know, we've got our little Gossamer gear packs and we're going fairly lightweight. Not, you know, super ultralight by any means, but... We've got, you know, some of our European counterparts are carrying packs twice the size of ours with twice the weight. And going up and down those muddy, muddy slopes would be a nightmare. I don't know, P.O.D., do you have any thoughts on the other hikers that we've encountered on the trail and, like, the whole hiking culture here on the TA? I just, uh, it's just different than what we're used to. But I think, yeah, people starting late, it's kind of like stepping back in time, like you said. But I also think that a lot of people who we've met haven't done any through hikes before. So you see the same thing on the AT. People are not doing a hike before. they starting late instead of starting early and, you know, all that kind of stuff that comes with experience. But I also think, uh, to speak to the gear thing, if you think about all the cottage manufacturers, which is where you truly get ultralight gear, most of them are based out of the U.S., so it's actually not that surprising that that people here haven't heard of it or, or just, you know, it's hard to get access to it. So if you order something from the U.S., you don't have a chance to, like, look at it and set up the tent, try it out, you know, like you can at the kickoff or whatever. You know, I don't know. Just more more challenging. Skits, you want to weigh in at all on the hiking culture here on the TA? Well, I just think, one of the things is that it's so international and it's such a commitment to come to New Zealand. You've bought a huge plane ticket and they've committed to being here for four or five months. And so I can understand why a lot of the people that are here with big packs are skipping road sections and skipping tough sections, but they're still kind of continuing along the hike where I think on the AT, people that started out and didn't really know what they were doing just quit because it's easier to quit and go home. You haven't put as big an investment I think a, maybe a lot of people here are at least trying to continue some kind of a hike. I guess a few people have probably gotten off and are traveling around in different ways, but you're kind of committed to being here in New Zealand for a certain amount of time, and so you might as well keep exploring and keep traveling. I do feel sorry that this is the first hike for a lot of people because yeah. I want to tell everybody, do the Pacific Crest Trail. It's so much more awesome than this trail. Go there. Although the South Island is going to be much better it's much more mountainous much more scenic it's a little bit more like 
a state's hike. There's still some road walking, but it's not nearly as disjointed as the North Island. Yeah. I guess just, just some basic info, the, the TA is 1,000 miles on the North Island and 800 miles on the South Island. And God, I, I, for a lot of the North Island, I feel like we've just been paying our dues to get to the South Island with a couple of exceptions, one being the Tongarero Crossing. Um, the Browns Bay Walk into Auckland was, was pretty cool. The first 12K from Cape Ranga to Twilight Beach was really cool. But for me, there haven't been a whole lot of standouts. Um, there have been a lot of connectors sections, as Skittles mentioned earlier, although some people will tell you there are no connector sections. It's, it's all part of the trail. <laughs> That's an inside joke for um, two people in the room. Okay, so <laughs> anyway, I thought real quick we'd sort of talk about some of the forested sections. The Northland Forest, we went through the Harakino, a.k.a. First Blood, the Ratea, the Dome Forest, the Hihi Kiwi Trail, the Hihi Kiwi Horror Trail, as it's known. And I, I guess it'd be kind of probably be worthwhile to talk about like tracks versus trails because... People in the U.S. know what a trail is, but that's not necessarily what we've been walking on. They call them tracks here, and they vary, and it's sort of uncommon to actually be on, to be walking on something here that is equivalent to trail tread, say on the PCT or AT. Anyway, POD, what, if you had to, I don't know, if you had to, there's sheep bang in the background, so if you hear any of that. We're, by the way, we're at a homestay, which is actually a big farm. There's cows, there's sheep, there's chickens, there's other animals. But anyway, the forested sections, P.U.D., what do you think? It's, it's varied. I mean, the tracks or trails, as we call them, most of them are very steep. Many of them are muddy, except for the really well-used one, which I'll have stairs, which is another you know, great thing for your knees. It's just been weird. Like, I feel like the the the, the trails are either really steep and or muddy or they're like four-wheel drive. But we haven't had a – we have had some of like nice – like, oh, this is nice trail. And, and, and the thing about that, I guess, is that in my mind, I, I like to have either nice trail or no trail. I feel like those those that's what I'm most comfortable with. Skittles. Maybe you can talk about the forest tracks briefly, but also about the North Island dilemma, mm-hmm. as we've been calling it. Well, I just want to say one thing on the tracks we've been hiking. In New Zealand, it seems like it's much tougher country for them to build trail in. It's very rooted, very steep, very muddy. And so you're either left with what's basically a game trail and you're following orange triangles through the jungle that's hardly a trail at all, or they've actually put a ton, a massive amount of work in to make the trail nice and protect the ground. And there's really no in-between. They can't do like a semi-nice trail because the ground just can't handle it. And so it either takes a huge effort to build a trail or there's just you're just kind of wandering through the woods. What do you think about the uh, Harakino and the Ratea, which are the the first two forest tracks? And as a TA hiker, go southbound. Well, I think it's it's a real eye opener for southbound hikers because you just did ninety mile beach, which is all flat, and it's kind of hard on your body because you're just walking flat land for so long. 
and then all of a sudden you're in steep up and down mud and we go in there and rain so it was you know torrential downpours it's not a long time in either you know we were what half a day in the one and maybe close to full day in the other so you get through them you know it's tough it's hard work and it's not the most enjoyable hiking but you can get through them fairly fast we talked about it earlier the i call it the north island dilemma you know i feel like on the pct or the at or the cdt even you can sort of wake up in the morning and say okay i want to hike 25 miles and camp and somewhere 25 miles later you can actually find a place to camp if you say that uh here in new zealand you're you're just kidding yourself because there's not a whole lot of legal camping there is a lot of private property and if you are in forest the understory is so thick it truly is like jungle there's nowhere to set up a tent there's you know infrequently we'll encounter a pine forest with an open understory and nice bed of pine needles and every once in a while it's worked out that it's been the end of the day and we could actually camp there but i could count those times on one hand more often than not you know it's the end of the day we're looking for a place to camp and there isn't any options so we end up setting up right on the trail because that's the only flat ground and then you just sort of have to hope nobody comes along and usually nobody does because <laughs> no one is on this trail except for ta walkers and there's not a whole lot of us out here beauty no that's just what i was gonna say is that like setting up on the trail no big no big deal here you're like eh, no one's gonna come through here because we're the only ones out here. A couple other things I've noticed real quickly is the Kiwis use different terms for similar things. So we talked earlier, uh, they call trails tracks. They call privies. Long drop? They call them long drops or dunnies. They call trash. Rubbish. They, the, instead of saying yield or having yield signs, they have give way signs, which I find to be quite polite. Uh, instead of calling it hiking, they call it... Tramping. And tramping means something quite different in the U.S., but whatever. Um, the, the one really interesting thing for me is that in New Zealand, they call traveling around by vehicle or public transit and staying in hostels, they actually call that backpacking. So, in the U.S., backpacking is actually what we're doing right now, which is long-distance hiking, camping overnight. But here, it's just tramping. And backpacking means something completely different that involves staying at hostels. What is their term for the soda like Sprite or 7-Up? Lemonade? Yeah, they call it lemonade. And how about um, if you get food for takeout Skittles, what do they call it? Uh, takeaway. Yeah, it's takeaway. All these things are quite interesting. It's just the subtleties that I find kind of neat. Uh, we found there is an app over here called CamperMate, which has been extremely valuable because there is no town guide for this trail. And the CamperMate app is essentially, it's a town guide on your phone for every freaking town and every everywhere in between on this entire trail. It's been super helpful. Tells you where free Wi-Fi is, tells you where campgrounds are, public toilets, grocery stores, the whole bit. 
and it even works when you don't have Wi-Fi or cell connection, so it's quite lovely. Okay, um, before we close out this part one of our New Zealand experience so far, boats, bikes, water taxis, can you guys get into the fact that we're not just walking and that walking isn't always part of the official trail? Well, that's been an interesting piece, too. I mean, officially, you have to take boats sometimes because there's no way to connect. Um, the paddling was part of the official route. The biking was not part of the official method of transport, but we thought we'd be smart and outsmart the trail and bike uh, from Wanganui to basically Lavin to avoid a closure as well. Uh, but I would say it's kind of interesting just to have all those things, but it has given me the perspective that I definitely prefer walking more than anything else. And, you know, on the river trip, paddling, there were a couple times that I felt pretty broken. Mm-hmm. But but yesterday biking, I was like, the river trip was nothing. This is, re- like, right now I feel totally broken. And... It was interesting, though, because I kind of felt like this is what it must feel like for other people when they go on a backpacking trip, maybe for the first time, that's maybe a little out of their reach, and it just feels like they're going to die. Maybe not actually physically die, but, you know, like you're in danger, but just like you feel like you just like, I can't do another step or this is everything is uncomfortable. Every part of my body hurts. And I've never, ever felt that way hiking. I mean, I've been you know, scared of different situations, I guess, but, um, I've always felt mostly comfortable. And so that, that's been interesting for me to have that perspective with different modes of transportation. I'll, I'll mention quickly the kayaking piece. So we did about a hundred miles of kayaking over four days and I've never done any long distance kayaking before. It's kind of tough for TA trampers because you end up renting your kayaks from a company and your kayaks are in various states of disrepair, um, kayaks and canoes. As we later found out, we all wish we'd had canoes. They're a little wider, they're a little more stable, and you can sit in them like you're sitting in a bench, and you can even stand up in them if you just need to move around. You can take a break while the other person paddles. With kayaks, you're just sort of in them. The only way to get out is to pull over on a beach and actually get out of the boat. Uh, everything's wet. You're sitting in water good portions of the day. Sometimes there's dead cows in the water and you float by them and then that water gets in your boat and you're sitting in that. Uh, <laughs> there's other dead animals along the shores. I don't know. It's tough. There was a lot of flat water on the Wanganui River. So you'd go through a rapid that'd be slightly terrifying and then you'd have, you know, three miles of flat water and you feel like you're just paddling through a lake you're just working 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 we had headwinds uh periodically we did get to celebrate new year's eve at a campsite with some other ta hikers which was a lot of fun and i don't know long distance kayaking i i kind of i mean it was you just kind of get thrown into it and you figure it out and make it work but it was tough and as tough as it was, I, I still think bicycling with a backpack on your back with all your gear. On a mountain bike, on paved roads, in headwinds and blowing rains, was even tougher than the kayaking. But 
Yeah, skits. What talk about the bikes if you want, but or just about the many modes of transportation here on the TA. Well, the bikes yesterday, we were just wrecked at the end of the day, completely wrecked. And when we stumbled into this homestay, which was nirvana for us, but we didn't leave Wanganui till like 2, 2.30. We thought it was supposed to be a three and a half hour bike ride on nice paved roads. Some of it ended up being these gnarly gravel roads that were not easy to bike on. It ended up taking us like seven hours. It was cold, rain, windy. We arrived just at dark and I mean, about as exhausted and wrecked as we've ever been on any trip anywhere. And that was that was just miserable. I mean, the the river journey on the Wanganui River, it got a little long and tedious, but I actually thought that was kind of an interesting diversion of the trail. And I think it's kind of cool. It's something different. It's going to be memorable, even though parts of it were a little boring. Um, we didn't have the greatest tour company to go with. So if you come down here, do not go with Yeti Tours. Find a different one because we did not get good service from them, which kind of set us off in a bad mode to begin with. But the river, I think, was kind of cool. And I like that being part of the section. Um, parts up north, I thought, was a little bit problematic because you had to catch boats a few places. You had to do some high tide stuff. And so you kind of had to time it out. You couldn't just well, I'm just going to hike until whatever and go do it. You're like, well, we can't arrive at this place until one o'clock or we need to be here at high tide. And you kind of had to figure out timetable. You can't just like go and walk, which is kind of what we want to do. We just like to walk and not sit around and wait or time things out. So I, that was a little annoying to me in the northern part. Yeah, at the estuary walking, you do have to plan stuff out. And, and there was one day we showed up at, at one particular estuary and we were there at high tide and there was no way we could walk across but we were told well if you go further along the shore to this spit of land then you can probably cross there and we went further along the shore to the spit of land and skittles walked out to sort of test how deep it was and (laughs) he was only about maybe 20 percent of the way across this little bay and he was chin deep in water. So he came back. He was holding his pack over his head. He came back, dropped his pack, and just went back out to see how deep it actually was. So he, uh, right when he got back out to the previous point, he just started swimming because it, it was over his head. So luckily, we had a, a guy come by in a kayak. It was a two-seater kayak. And uh, the person he was with was kind enough to hop out of the boat. And this guy ferried each of us across the bay one by one. And it was only like, you know, 100 meters across this bay or 200 meters across the bay, but we couldn't really swim it. And the road walk around would have added 15K. I don't even know, 10K, hard to say. We're talking in kilometers, people. It's crazy how New Zealand will change you that way. Anyway, I'll just say I've been humbled by this trail. I also think there's a lot of suffering and self-punishment and masochism out here. Um, some of the road walks have you wishing that you can get to the next forest track. Some of the forest tracks have you wishing you can get to the next road walk. The kayaking will make you wish you were biking. The biking will make you wish you were hiking. And so it goes. So we're just hoping we can, you know, kind of figure our way through the rest of this North Island and have a completely different South Island experience. We know it's going to be tough down there and the the going's going to be slower, but we want to get into some mountains and 
So far, we haven't had a whole lot of those. P.O.D., do you want to add anything else before we conclude part one of this New Zealand bonus hour? Um, no, I, I think that we've said, I've said everything. I, I, um, I'm looking. How's your body feel at this very moment? Honestly, I, I do want to talk about that for a second. <laughs> so my back between my shoulder blades was killing me from the paddling and also on my spine where my back was against the back of the kayak. And then yesterday when we left town, my backpack, there was something in there that was hard. I had taken the, um, the back foam pad out to use as a seat cushion and so just the backpack was against my back. And there was something hard that was pressing against the spot that was sore on my back. Seat cushion thing didn't work out. I almost had a nervous breakdown yesterday on the highway. Riding my bike on the shoulder and people are going 70 miles an hour. Like double um, tractor trailer trucks. It was crazy. But I got to say that my lady bits, I feel like, are pulverized right now from riding on that bike. Like... They hurt so bad, and like I said, I've never been as uncomfortable as I was today, yesterday and today, and um, the, the I guess the takeaway is if you're going to do a bike trip or any sort of long trip where you're going to be seated, like in a kayak or whatever, um, you got to make sure you have the right the right gear for that, because that, that was huge. Like, an hour out yesterday, I was just like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? Because I'm like, I feel like everything's bruised, and... Today we went, we set out and we turned back because it, the, mostly the headwind, we weren't making any progress. But I think if we had done the whole day, I, I think I may have needed medical attention for, you know. So what you're saying is that doing 40 miles of bicycling on loaner bikes from a random hostel in the last town isn't necessarily the best way to approach a long distance bicycle section. That is exactly what I'm saying. Skits, do you have anything you want to add here at the end about the TA or your experience this year on the TA? I think I would encourage anybody thinking of doing the TA to just skip the North Island. Do the South Island as a through hike. You could maybe even come up with your own route to do like a, you know, down and back. Or you can do your own hike down and you'll have extra time to explore and see. There's a bunch of cool things in New Zealand that the trail doesn't go through that you could go see too. And I think it might be a better use of your time to do a through hike of the South Island and then go explore the rest of the country. Yeah, we've got, I guess, about 10 days left here in the North Island. Um, hopefully. We'll see how that goes. And I'll just say, I keep telling myself I'm happy to be out here, but there's days when I'm walking road shoulders that not too happy. And I, I, I shout Buck 30's name out. <laughs> I, I, look, I look to the heavens and shout Buck 30's name out with some curses. Mm -hmm. Now nah, we, we love you, Buck 30. We're just uh, giving you grief. And wait till we get home, man. You're in a whole lot of trouble. You have no idea. All right. Well, that's it. So we hope to come back next month with the exciting conclusion of our hike on Te Araroa here in New Zealand. Uh, should be done with the trail by the time the March episode posts. We'll see how the South Island plays out. We'll see if the road walking continues. Uh, hopefully it won't. But we know we're going to have some interesting weather down there. So thanks everybody for tuning in today. You can catch us always on iTunes, on Stitcher, and at thetrailshow.com. Check us out at Facebook.com and Instagram.com at The Trail Show and on Twitter at Trail Show. 
back next month. Until then, for the Princes of Darkness and Skittles, I'm Disco. Ciao.